the Ethereum Society proudly presents this series of podcasts in tribute to the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings. The following podcast is on the 8th blessing. Blessed is the mighty sun. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Hollywood, California. The co-hosts were the Reverend Chrissy Blaze and the Reverend Brian Kinney. Good evening, and welcome to our eighth podcast. And this podcast is on the Mighty Sun. And today we have a special host, hostess, hostess, peoples. We've got myself posing as the astronomer, and we have Reverend Chrissy Blaze as our expert astrologer, who I think everyone should know is actually a professional astrologer, which actually does kind of outrank me because I'm far from a professional astronomer but uh, I'll try and hold up my end as best I can. But we thought it would be really nice to bring together uh, these two ways of looking at the mighty sun and how the Master Jesus presents it to try and delve into a little bit more deeply into this wonderful blessing. But let's start first and uh, listen to the first extract, which is the Master Jesus presenting the heading. And Chrissy, could you get people uh, ready for this? Let's prepare ourselves, shall we, by sitting up straight, placing the hands on the knees for a few seconds, placing the palms downwards, the feet flat on the floor, and just center ourselves for a few moments by breathing deeply, detaching from all our cares and worries of the day, And let us prepare ourselves for this great spiritual task of sending love and thankfulness to the mighty sun. So now let us please raise our hands and our hearts as we listen to this wonderful extract from the eighth blessing. Blessed is the mighty sun. So that uh, sets the scene very wonderfully for this podcast tonight. And I'm just going to start by reading the first paragraph of this blessing, a very short paragraph, and just saying a few words about it. Blessed is the solar logos, for upon this you and I depend for that vital energy which doth take us through valuable experience that vital energy. Interestingly, in astrology, the sun represents, among other things, our vitality. It's the energy that motivates us. It's the energy that propels us through experience, through evolution. And so this ties in very well with this concept, this vital energy of the sun. Uh, I'd like to read the next paragraph. 
in his wonderful blessing, and that is as follows. Blessed is this one, for it shineth always in complete sacrifice upon the behalf of ye and me and all of us who dwell within its house. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that on the astronomy side of things, where it says that it, meaning the sun, shineth always in complete sacrifice. And if we look at the astronomical side of what the sun does, is it it takes its body, which is, it started its life filled almost entirely with hydrogen, which is the simplest element, and it spends its whole life or most all of its, 99% of its life, combining the hydrogen into helium or fusing the hydrogen and the helium, creating energy for every being, every planet, every um, life stream in the solar system to, to live. And so here is the ultimate expression of sacrifice because it, it's, it's using up its own body virtually to give life and energy and experience to all the beings within the solar system. And it's, it's something that I think it's, it's worth thinking about. Another way of thinking about the sun is when we, I think, normally think of the sun in the solar system, we see up in the sky the sun, and then you see the moon. And in our sky, the sun and the moon are nearly identical-sized disks. That's why when you have an eclipse, it completely blocks out all the sunlight. And so from our eyes, we see the sun being the same size as the moon and all the other planets being, you know, fairly small but still significant. But if you, if you look at the solar system as a mass, a certain amount of mass, the sun itself takes up 99.8% of all the mass in the entire solar system. And that's way out beyond Pluto. So all the planets, all the people on the planets, etc., all the asteroids, all the comets, if you combine all of that mass together, it's approximately two-tenths of a percent of the mass of the entire solar system. And so in reality, the sun is the solar system. Everything, all the planets are our footnotes in the solar system. And to look at it another way, if you took a liter of water, 1,000 milliliters, a liter of water, then two milliliters, or about 40 drops of that liter, is the rest of the solar system. So it's just it's another way of looking at, uh, at the sun really is the, the, the entity in our solar system. Well, probably we ought to move on to the next uh, extract. You think so? Uh, right. The next extract, uh, our master talks about the sun as being a psychic center of the absolute. One of the great chakras or psychic centers of God is the sun. That is what it is. Just as you have a great psychic center here, a miniature sun so also God, in its manifested state, in its manifested state, has within its body many, many such psychic centers. And the sun of this earth 
of this solar system, as indeed are the suns of all solar systems, great vortices of power or psychic centers within the body of the manifested God. Now, you will never have more informative uh, cosmic wisdom given to you than that. Not because I give it to you, do I say that, but I say it because this information a few years ago could only be imparted during a third or fourth stage initiation. But certain of us have been permitted to give this information out quite openly to the ordinary man and the ordinary woman. Now, if you cast it down, it makes no difference. It'll only mean that you'll come back to this moment of choice again in your existence. That's what it'll mean. And that's all it'll mean, which is a lot. It's a wonderful extract that he says in it that it's, uh, it's talked about as a center. And if we go to the last blessing, the Master Jesus states it. Greater than all the suns is this, for these are the centers of its wondrous body. Another thing that really comes to mind when we listen to that extract is the secrets really are coming out now. And it's not to say that you couldn't have found this information. As, as Dr. King states, you could have received this on the third or fourth initiation, whatever that might be. And so the information was out there, but it was hidden, protected, extremely difficult to get a hold of. And now we have just absolute gems of information being given by the Master Jesus in this very, very thin, beautifully written, poetic book, The Twelve Blessings. And you know, we, we've talked an awful lot throughout these podcasts of how important it is to use these Twelve Blessings to send power out. But it is also important to use them to meditate or contemplate, shall we say, on different of the statements within. And there's a wealth of information that can be uncovered. Okay, I think I'm going to read the next part, uh, which is send out your love to this, send out your power to this. Know that even as you do so, never in a thousand million years can you hope to repay the debt you owe to this most wondrous being, this most magnificently glorious aspect of great God. And just taking the first part, send out your love to this, send out your power to this, uh, we're going to play an extract where our master, Dr. King, talks about why we should do this, why we should send out our love and blessings to the mighty Son. Very, very few people think about 
blessing the sun for sending out this tremendous energy which allows them to gain experience, which allows them to make their essential journey back to the plue perfection of God again. It doesn't dawn on people. They haven't thought about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we must start to think about these things in this new Aquarian age. This is to be the age of knowledge. It is to be the age where man puts into practice his knowledge and his belief. Hypocrisy, as such, will die in this next age. And this is a prophecy coming from a greater being than myself. We must kill hypocrisy within ourselves by living our beliefs. And one way in which we can do it is first of all satisfy ourselves that we are dependent fully and absolutely and completely dependent upon the sun for the great tides of essential energy which pour from the sun to this earth for 24, repeat that, 24, not 12, hours per day. Tides of energy the like of which we could not exist another moment without. We could not gain the essential experience which will take us back to God, which is the goal of all men. And start living our beliefs by sending our blessings to this God, for that is what it is. It is the God of the solar system it is the nearest thing to God in this solar system. It's not just a great ball of fire. It's a living, breathing entity, just as this world is a living, breathing entity. It gave birth to this world. And when the world is finished, the sun will open up its great centre again and absorb this world back into itself. But not until we have all had the experiences essential to us and experiences which only this world can give to us. Now one thing that you can do when you're studying this particular blessing is you can go back to the nine freedoms and add some more depth to your study. Because, of course, the, the ninth freedom is on the sun as well. And you know, he talks about it's a living, breathing entity. And we can actually get even more information from the nine freedoms. Because the sun itself, there's the logos, which is really concentrated upon in the blessing. But there's also many, many lesser planetary lords which make up the sun. And these, of course, are great beings that have served as a time uh, as the perfects of Saturn and then gone through extremely long, 
and several periods of, of deep galactic meditation and then learn certain of the secrets as you can read in the Nine Freedoms, and then they become part of the sun. And I'll read a couple of sentences, if I may, mm-hmm. from the Nine Freedoms. Then it enters through the flame, which is the Logos, and becomes one of the great hierarchical lords, one of the lesser planetary lords. And, of course, the greater planetary lords are the planets themselves. These are the lesser planetary lords, which are the masters of the sun. And it goes on, and it says, Together they, these lesser planetary lords, they blend to form the mighty sun, not the essential life of the sun, but its very radiations. And so it goes on, Together as the one, they work radiating power and energy to all life streams in the solar system, radiating the very power of their bodies, the very energy of their hearts. And of course, when we really realize that these wonderful evolved beings are sacrificing themselves for us, then, as Mars 36 says, think twice, O man, before you use this energy wrongly. Know that if you attempt to use this energy wrongly, Indeed, you are committing a base crime. And this, I think, is one of the the key reasons why we're being told to send our blessings to the mighty Son, to keep this idea that this being, these beings, are sacrificing themselves for us. The mighty Son, to focus on that and to send our energy to this great God, it's like the 12 blessings and now to me they're reaching out into the cosmos and we know that the 12 blessings were an extension of the sermon on the mount to include this cosmic concept and even just talking about it it's like one almost wants to have sort of hushed tones would you Mm. agree brian it Mm. has a whole Mm. sort of different flavor you know blessed are they who work for peace and they who heal etc it's a whole different sort of feeling and and concept a different level no, and, and it's, it's nice, too, because these days we get these phenomenal photographs from NASA mm. and JPL and SOHO, etc., um, where you can look at the, this beautiful being, in this case, the sun, and you know most people see these pictures and they're pretty pictures, they're interesting pictures, mm. but when you look at these pictures with the knowledge of the 12 blessings, there's so much more. Yeah. They're inspiring pictures, they're... Uh, reverent pictures, they're mystical pictures. It, there's so many more levels uh, are opened up just by the knowledge given to us by the 12 blessings. Uh, it's beautiful. I would just also say that um, if anybody lives in the Los Angeles area, they should definitely visit the Griffith Observatory, oh, which um, mm. Brian can enthuse mm. about that. But I visited there for the first time recently since it was redone. And the, these amazing um, pictures of the different types of suns, which I was mm. completely unaware of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah well, you, you can see um, through the hydrogen lens, and so you're able to see much more detail of the workings of the surface of the sun. And you, you can see that, uh, for example, sunspots, if you look at a sunspot in visible light, it's a dark, kind of a brownish spot, blemish almost, on the sun. 
But if you look at it through a hydrogen filter system, for example, it's actually, it's not darker, it's brighter. It's almost like it's a psychic center coming alive. It's a center for energy to be coming off. And it is. It's, it's a mag- it's, actually, it's a magnetic storm uh, mm-hmm. sending tremendous energy out to the uh, rest of the solar system. And so you're, you're right. If you don't live in L.A., you can go to, um, I think it's Soho, which also have lots of photographs of this type of the sun. And you can look at those, and they truly are just inspiring When you think that the sun is composed of many, many, many lesser planetary lords, it's kind of interesting to think that, who knows, maybe each each individual sunspot might be the activities of a particular lesser planetary lord. You don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying it's an interesting thing to think about. Yes, it is. Yeah, very interesting. We we diverge. We have, yes, completely. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think... um, So we go on to another extract here. Yes. We'll never repay the debt we owe to Jesus. Never mind the earth we're on, which is a greater being. Never mind the sun, which is a much, much greater being. We'll never repay the debt we owe to masters like Buddha and Krishna, whether we're Hindu or, or, or Buddhist doesn't matter. We'll never repay this debt. It can only be repaid by divine cancellation. There isn't another way. So how much more then, um, how much greater then is our debt that we owe to the sun? It's very great. We'll never repay it, but we can do something. And one thing we can do is this. Send the streams of our power, love, energy and prayer towards the sun, not because the sun needs this, it does not. But we need that return stream of energy which will enter into us (coughs) immediately, instantaneously. We perform this practice with an open heart. And don't let us forget this, that we microbes upon this cheese called earth are directly and absolutely responsible for holding up the advancement of (coughs) the sun itself. Now this is one of the most sweeping statements ever made in history, and I realize it. But it is true. Were it not for we people upon earth, the sun could absorb this earth back into itself and pass on to a higher state of being. This also applies to the people upon the other planets. But they know this and realize it, and they in turn are held up in their um, evolution to a large extent by the people upon this earth. (coughs) When Jesus says you'll never repay the debt, he means it because he can take into consideration 
all these factors that I've brought before you for your most earnest consideration. Most earnest. I think it's uh, good to realize that we can never repay the debt to the sun in one way because it's a constant reminder and an appreciation of this great being. It really makes us appreciate this gift we have on a daily basis if we think about it because on this planet we, we have debts. We all have debts and most of us have debts in our material life. We are buying a car or we're buying a home. And once those debts are paid off, we're free and we own that particular thing, whether it's a car or a home or whatever it is. But with the sun, we will never repay that debt. And also, we never actually own anything um, because we're told that even our fingernails are loaned to us. We are, what are we? We are solidified sunlight. And so everything we have is given to us from the sun, apart from the spirit within, the divine spark. And um, it's just loaned to us so that we can make our journey back uh, to God through evolution. And so we have this, you know, when we pay off our debt to the mortgage company or whatever, we feel released from it. It's like we have a relationship with them, and when it's paid, that relationship is finished. But with the sun, our relationship is eternal, if you like. It, we can never repay that debt. And so it's kind of an inspiring thought and one where I think we can really develop our appreciation and our thankfulness. Mm. And it's very, very important. You know, it's also like uh, our master says that the sun doesn't need our prayers. And so you almost say, well, well why, why are we sending it our prayers? And, and you could... Look, think of it one way, well, the only reason you're sending your prayers is a selfish reason because it doesn't even need your prayers. But he goes further and he says that in a way we're holding up the sun's advancement. And again, if you go back to the analogy of the liter of water and the, uh, the 40 drops which are outside the liter, and by the way, most of those 40 drops are composed of Jupiter. There's only about just about a handful of drops that aren't Jupiter. So you think of it as one, one thing that we're doing when we're, we're giving thanks to the sun is we're kind of strengthening the bond that we have with the sun because he says there's a two-way flow there. So you send energy to the sun, it comes back to you, and you're strengthening that flow. And the more you strengthen that, the more you're thinking about that, it's going to speed up your return to the sun. And as it speeds up your return, it'll speed up everyone else's return around you. And then that is allowing the sun to move on because who wants to hold up a great being like the sun not me <laughs> actually we get into that uh, later on i think in the 10th blessing where the master says a similar thing and it is a very interesting concept that really i've never really heard before where you actually think of yourself as holding up um, a great entity like the sun or the galaxy and it really makes you it should, anyway. It should make you really focus on evolving yourself and all those around you. And according to astrology, too, the sun gives us a great gift. And it's an expression. The soul's expression on the material plane is influenced by the sun, according to astrology. And so 
everybody's heard about sun signs and everybody knows their sun sign. And it's not by chance because that really is, I believe, the most important part of astrology, even though astrologers on the whole decry it, you know, oh, it's just the sun sign. But it is our vitality and our creativity. And unless we are focused in our sun sign, as an astrologer I'm speaking now, then we're not taking the path that we should be taking in this lifetime. And I'm talking about the higher aspects of our sun sign. So it's giving to us energy and life and so forth, but also according to um, one of the ancient mystic sciences, it's giving to us these very special gifts each lifetime, which we can take a lot of use of by really becoming conscious of what the gifts are, if that makes sense. Why don't you, um, it might help people who might be um, astrologically challenged, you know, explain a bit more about what a sun sign is and, and maybe kind of help them use it to, you know, have them think about the sun. You know, what is it? What, is, what does a sun sign mean? Well, why? I'm a Gemini, so what, what does that mean? Right. Well, every, as I say, everybody knows uh, usually what uh, their sun sign is, whether it's Aries through Pisces. And everybody, if you read the analysis, it's, uh, you know, where the sun was, which sign of zodiac it was in when you were born. If you read certain positive and negative parts of it, and then often people say to themselves, well, I'm nothing like my sun sign. Well, my answer is, well, you should be. Because when we truly center ourselves, because the sun is related to our soul's expression on the material plane, when we truly center ourselves in the right way, according to our higher self, I believe, then we will be operating according to the higher aspects of our sun sign. And a Gemini in this lifetime, is born to communicate, to teach, to bring the higher truths down to an everyday level, to see the myriad, the complexity of life, and so on and so forth. So all of these sun signs have a certain expression, which is different. And then another life, you have another expression, and you have a different level of expression of that particular sun sign. And, of course, then there are all the other planets as well. So what it means is, so the sun, when I was born... The sun was in the constellation of Gemini. Well, actually, we're talking about the ecliptic in Western astrology. I think in Vedic astrology, they're looking at the constellation. The ecliptic right. is the apparent path of the sun around the Earth. It doesn't really travel around the Earth, of course, but it appears to travel around. It's a, one of these cosmic optical illusions, which is divided up into 12 signs of the zodiac, which starts at uh, 21st of March zero-point Aries, and it goes around these 12 segments. Vedic astrology, I think, uses the constellations, but Western astrology doesn't. Right. But right. strangely enough, uh, they both work. They're very different systems, and they both work. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Actually, I've seen it, I've seen it work, definitely. Well, where are we now? I'm, I'm lost. Um, we're going to talk about this last part of the blessing, I think. Oh, yes, all right. O men of Earth... Turn thy face towards the greatest living entity in thy system and absorb its wondrous power deep into thine eye so that thine heart may be burned clean of impurity so that thine eye might dwell upon this glory yet not for dwelling's sake purely but more for the sake of thy brother who is blind through this part. Now, that's a very uh, beautiful 
extract again, but why don't we uh, listen to what our master has to say about that, Mm -hmm. shall we? Sounds good. In other words, by continued practice, you must raise the latent power of kundalini within the spine. Lodge the kundalini now dormant within the spine of most individuals on earth in a center which has its root at the back of the neck. When you do this, thine eye, not these things which count for naught, but thine eye, thine Christ center, if you like, or as the yogis say, ajan, will be opened. When thine eye is opened, it's also very, very susceptible to high vibratory forces which are radiated from the sound. These very high vibratory forces enter through this center, vibrating the brain in a certain way. During this vibration, great knowledge, great illumination is given, is given to the adept who performs such practice. Now, that is what we're asked to do. It'll take a thousand lives to do it, but we're asked to do it by a great adept, an adept of love and compassion who gave, who made great sacrifice for this earth and all people now living upon this earth. And we should accept such advice without question or totally reject it and be prepared to remain in ignorance. You know, one thing that um, that struck me today when I was looking over this blessing again was that this is the only occasion in all the blessings where during the blessing itself we're asking for something ourselves. All the other blessings we're blessing, we're thanking, we're giving, um, we're sending energy. And this one area here, the Master Jesus says, turn thy face towards the greatest living entity and absorb its wondrous power. And again, it's another way of showing how important it is for us to really focus on the sun and to really realize that we are part of this great, amazingly magnificent orb and to take the energy into us to, again, to continue to strengthen that connection between us so that we can help those around us and ourselves move forward. The last part of this blessing, I'm not going to read it all, but there's a lot of numbers in it. (laughs) Thrice blessed is this mighty Logos. Seven times blessed is each one of its children. Seven times blessed is each one of its 9,000 dimensions. Seven times blessed is each one of its 9,456,921 cloaks. Okay? Well, one thing that... um, we do know, is that these numbers are not by chance. They are significant. 
And I don't claim to know the significance of them. Probably people have heard of the study of numerology, which is the study of the influence of numbers, whereby a numerologist can give you a reading just on the number of your house. So every number is powerful, is radiating out certain influences. And so obviously the Master Jesus has not just chosen these numbers at random. They describe aspects of the sun and so forth. And the numbers themselves are obviously significant. But um, I don't know whether you understand their significance, um, Brian? Uh, certainly not my conscious mind, <laughs> no. And in fact, uh, Dr. King said that we wouldn't understand this, all this blessing. But one interesting thing is that the number seven comes up a lot. And seven, of course, is the number of spirituality. It's the number of perfection of man, of mysticism. And also the number eight, too, in the next part, which is very fascinating, I think, and certainly is a contemplation, I would say, where the Master Jesus says eight times eight times eight times eight times eight times blessed is the heart of this, and nine times blessed is the body of this, and twice blessed in that, by that, as that, is the soul of this, and once blessed in the heart of God is the spirit of this. So all these numbers are very significant. The number eight, of course, five eights there, uh, is the number of mastery on the physical plane. It's the number of power the number of alchemy, of transmutation. But I think also, um, and this is something I mentioned in the sixth blessing, that the blessings have not just significance in their teaching, but also power in the way the words are structured together and the energy that's evoked through the structure of the words and so on. And you must admit that just... Reading this eight times, eight times, eight times, eight times, eight times blessed, it has a, it's sort of almost like a, a spiritual sort of juggernaut pulsating with power here. This is tremendous blessing is being given. Do you no, want to add anything true. to that? That's, uh... What's the matter? Somebody has a question. Oh, we have a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you have any idea of what he means by, um, cloaks i mean i have some idea of the of the different dimensions i can't fathom what each of them are but what, is, what does he mean by the different cloaks well a cloak of course is is, is like a coat kind of a thing you put on and, and no why well, I, I looked it up <laughs> well cloaks that's very interesting cloaks i thought i had a handle on cloaks uh with the previous blessing because in the previous blessing in the mother earth of course she has 49 cloaks. And so I thought that I was on to something here. And I went to the um, Nine Freedoms, and it says in the Nine Freedoms that the lesser planetary lords, I'll quote here, it can control mind and matter within 49 dimensions. It loses even what individuality it had by entering a state of galactic consciousness. But 49 dimensions... And then later in the commentary, Dr. King talks about the, um, well, we, we know of seven dimensions. Uh, Dr. King gives a wonderful uh, lecture on the seven dimensions. And, of course, mankind, we have seven 
psychic centers. And so here we've got a lesser planetary lord and presumably a greater planetary lord with operating on 49 dimensions. And so you could say, well, 49 cloaks might be 49 psychic centers. You see? So I thought I was onto something. But then you go to the, the mighty sun, and you've got it talking about here 9,000 dimensions. That's a big jump from 49. And then you've got 9,456,921 cloaks. It's all that to say that I don't know. So you, all these things, you know, we, we don't know, but you know, all these things are put in into the blessings uh, for many reasons, of course, but I think one reason is for us to think about them and to contemplate them and to try and put maybe astrology, astronomy, metaphysics, science. Uh, intuition, mm-hmm. science, put it all together. And, and through combining these different things, we might uh, slowly move ourselves forward. And it's, it's, it's wonderful, really. It, it's absolutely a wonderful... I, actually, it just dawned on me. I want to read this one. Um, this one quote comes to mind by the Master Jesus at the end of the Nine Freedoms. And it's one of the most beautiful statements. I, I love this. this. This kind of talks about the idea of slowly moving back to God. This is the Master Jesus at the end of the Nine Freedoms. He blesses the the crosses, and he goes, Bless you all, bless you. May your journey through your karma be a wonderful one. Bless you. Isn't it just the most beautiful, beautiful blessing? And so it's it's wonderful. We we have this fantastic opportunity with these beautiful blessings and nine freedoms and and ways of serving that we can make our journey through our karma a wonderful one. And that's, I think that's one of the big keys. We aren't here to suffer. No, exactly. When we, when we play Extract 7, Mark? So, if we all, this applies to me as well as you, if we all wish to enhance our experience, to give ourselves a greater, wider uh, 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 experience, a greater, wider, more lasting concept and appreciation, a greater, surer faith in the wondrous God responsible for all this. How better than <coughs> to start with these practices, especially this one I've just spoken of. There are many things in it you won't understand. There are many things in it I don't understand, as I've been honest enough to admit to you. But that doesn't matter. We can all start tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning we can start by going into our room, (coughs) throwing open the window. Whether you can see the sun or not makes no difference. It will be there in the same spot as it's been for 3,000 million years, throwing open the window and sending out your power and blessings and love and prayers to this great being so that you in return might receive a tremendous 
a surge and influx of power so that you might become more advanced so that you may help your blind the, your brothers who are blind through this part now there's no doubt this is one of the most potent practices on this earth if you would have cosmic vision this is one sure way to get it I would ask you not to have that as a motive but should you have it as a motive it's one sure way to get it you can achieve any end providing it be a spiritual end you can achieve any end by such practices as this end an end which will put you in the cosmic system way way beyond your wildest present imaginings there isn't a doubt it's a practice which might be as old as time and yet it's revived again on this earth at this time at the beginning of this new Aquarian age by a wonderful being from the shining planet Venus who came among us and gave us this practice again, namely the great master Jesus. That in itself should be sufficient for all of you. What a beautiful extract. Mm, it really is. <laughs> and he really, he really hammers in the importance and the beauty of blessing the mighty son and how important it is and, and it, it's nice of him too to go out of his way to say that you can do it in England where you don't see the sun very often it's very very nice of him to, to include England in that because you know. um, you know, we are very fortunate here in uh, sunny California because we can always see the sun just about but the most important thing is to keep the mind on the sun keep the mind on how how much we owe the sun and how fortunate we are to have experience given to us by the sun. You know, another thing that keeps cropping up throughout these podcasts is the, the idea of the Aquarian Age. And I thought now that we've got right here in our midst a professional astrologer, I, I thought that, that now would be the perfect time to just find out what exactly is this Aquarian age all about. Oh, Brian, you told me you were going to talk, to, <laughs> talk well, about it. Well, I, I, I can talk about the astro astronomical side. Do you want me to start with the astro astronomical Why side? Not, yeah. Okay. Well, from what I know astronomically, you see, it, it is confusing. I, mean, I was just, just looking at um, a Rosicrucian site just this afternoon about the Aquarian Age, and this is why I'm even more confused than normal, and that is, uh, which is you know, a normal state for me, but that is that the Aquarian Age is supposed to start when the sun is in the constellation Aquarius at the vernal equinox, which is a March 20 or 21st time frame, which, according to their calculations, doesn't actually happen until the year 2600, which is like, you know, about 600 years from now. So that was the, the question to you. But just to kind of give people... Uh, <laughs> Glad I got <laughs> just that one to, out. Just to set you up there. Um, but, but to kind of give an overview of 
the ages, it, it is that um, basically astronomers will say that the Earth is wobbling uh, on a slow 26,000-year wobble, and as it wobbles, then the sun precesses or moves backward through the constellations over the course of 26,000 years. And it takes about uh, 2,100 years per constellation. And so that was, that's what the, the changing equinoxes mean. And, of course, the Master Jesus came in the beginning of the Piscean Age, about 2,000 years ago. We've also, I've also discovered, through uh, my good friend Michael Scoli, who uh, introduced me to, reintroduced me to a book called Science of Religion by Sri Yuktisvar. And he actually states that the precession of the equinoxes is not caused by a wobble of the Earth. It's caused by the solar system going around another sun. And if you want to read uh, more information of a more recent nature about that, uh, we can have a link to uh, Walter Cruttenden's site on our podcast page. But that's all the technical astronomical side of the whole thing. But what I put to you is, Chrissy, one is what is the significance of the Aquarian Age? In other words, what, what, how is Aquarian Age different from Piscean Age? And then if you care to comment on this 600-year discrepancy, I'd be interested to hear that as well. Yeah, there's so many debates <laughs> about when the ages start. But uh, basically, astrologers believe also that we're in this 25,000, they call it the great year, and it's divided into 12 signs of the zodiac, and we're going backwards through the signs. So the last age was Pisces, and this one is back, is the one before Aquarius. But there's a lot of debate about exactly when the age starts. Now, I did write an article which was published in Cosmic Voice when, when uh, our master was alive. And my theory was it had just started. It was something significant that had happened at the time with um, an astrological um, configuration. And he actually published the configuration on the front page of Cosmic Voice together with the article, which was kind of like I felt a, what would you call it? Uh, uh, what's stamp the word I'm looking for? Stamp of approval. Yes, yes, um, yes, very good point. We might so, reprint that one too on this uh, right. podcast. Yeah which was uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah, it was fairly recently, just before he passed. So, as I say, there's lots and lots of debate. But we can certainly feel the, the changing influence, and certainly yeah. the Aquarian age is, we're on the cusp of the ages, and the cusp means the edge, the, the looking into this new age. And basically, it's uh, as mankind in, in his journey through evolution is always helped, we know this, by the great masters, the cosmic masters, by the planets, by the great sun, all the way along we're helped. We're not alone in our quest. And these ages are another help, another layer of help, if you like, in that they give us an opportunity for our consciousness to evolve, both individually and also collectively as a human race, through this 2,100 and however long it is, age. And certain different aspects of consciousness are brought in and the herald a great master i believe would come at the beginning of the age as the master jesus to herald in and demonstrate these qualities and the significant qualities demonstrated by the master jesus were of course the great energy and power of love l-o-v-e through sacrifice and healing and so forth which 
imbued the age. And also, this love through sacrifice, I think, is a different is is an important thing to remember because the early Christians and so forth were prepared to die, you know, for their beliefs. And this love and sacrifice sort of went hand in hand. But now, in this Aquarian age, uh, the baton has been passed. We don't forget all those lessons. We learn other things as well. And we're still learning this lesson of love, and we'll continue to do so. But now, we're not called upon to sacrifice our lives for our beliefs. We're called upon to serve. And now the mysteries which were prevalent in the age of Pisces are being given to all, to the average, to the ordinary person. The waters of truth of the Aquarian age are being poured forth. That's another feature of the sign of Aquarius. Another so, so the Aquarius has to do with service, does it? Aquarian age and Aquarian energy? And yeah, it's to do with the brotherhood of man. And um, it's to do with the combination of science and spirituality. And, of course, the keynote of spirituality is service. And I believe also that our master, just as the master Jesus brought in the age of Pisces, is a herald of this age. And to me, with the giving of the 12 blessings, it's almost like through our master, the Aquarian master, I like to call him, it was like the handing on of a baton of power from one age, the Piscean age, to another, and bringing in Aquarian elements to the 12 blessings of the cosmic aspects, another aspect of Aquarius, the cosmic aspects, this combining of, of spirituality and science, the giving of truth to everyone, and so forth. Great revelation, that's another aspect of the age of Aquarius. Each age is also ruled by a planet, or two planets. In the case of Aquarius, it's ruled by the planet Uranus and also the planet Saturn, which is interesting because Dr. King, and I'm probably going off subject here, but Dr. King embodied the principles of these two planets. Uranus is known as the revolutionary planet. He was a revolutionary in the positive sense of the word. I like to call him a revelationary. He brought revelation. And he was also, and this is a, this is a planetary influence that's forgotten in this Aquarian age, he was also a disciplinarian and a traditionalist, the Saturnian influence. And I think that the Aquarian Age organizations would do very well to incorporate more of the Saturnian energies in. Say say again, the Saturnian energies are discipline and... The upholding of of tradition that is worth upholding. Right. Right. Um, It's structure, it's building, foundations. So the two, Dr. King really brought those two together. Uh, Very interesting. Now, when when you mentioned... uh, bringing forth the information and giving them to the masses, that, that really shows, I think, with, with books like the, the Twelve Blessings, which are just very, very small, what about you know, 60 or 70 pages, and tremendous information, whereas you compare that to some of the texts that were around previously, like Madame Blavatsky's text and Alice Bailey's text, they're like hundreds, sometimes thousands of pages, and there's great information in there, but how many people were able to wade through all that? Whereas with the 12 blessings and the nine freedoms, you can go through it very, very quickly and study it for years and years and years. That's very true, yeah. Did we have a question uh, in the audience? Could the changing of the ages also be tied in with the Mayan prophecy of the end of the age in 2012? Good question. The end of the age of 2012... Mm -hmm. 
You know, we don't know, but we, it's one very interesting point about uh, the 2012 is that we have been told that the 12 blessings were given 52 years before they were, I think, meant to be given. I believe it was, I'm not sure what the exact terminology is, 52 years before they were to be given, shall we say, which would have been 2010. It's just you know a short time before 2012. So I think clearly uh, there is a significance to the 2012 time frame, but exactly what that significance is, I don't know. Now we, we, we must we must move on here, mm-hmm. and we want to uh, I think finish up with, with some of these beautiful statements in what we call the prologue. Um, would you like to read one of those or two of those? If you, my children, would change from men to God-men, you would send your love always towards this great being, which you now take for granted. For this is the God of your Bible. It is the Brahma of the Hindu scripts. This is the nearest thing to God in your concept of manifestation. That's another thing which is really uh, amazing and again it, it's something that I suppose you could have found if you really dug hard in the past but to, to be told that the God of the Bible and the Brahma of the Hindu text is the sun it, it's wonderful knowledge uh, and it, it really it helps to tie together all the religions uh, in a way and so it's, it's wonderful to have this, this information given so, so simply that anyone can understand it well, let's all come together and just for a moment let's think about this wonderful blessing this mystic knowledge given to us by the master Jesus about this God of gods about the Brahma of the Hindu texts, about the mighty sun. Let's just for a moment visualize this sun any way we'd like, on a spring day, high in the sky, or an eclipse, or at a planetarium through a hydrogen filter, however we wish to visualize it, and then send your heart and your love to this one. And then let's raise our hands, and I'll, I'll give the heading, and then let's have a nice pause after the heading and just throw as much love and energy and, and compassion to this great and mighty Son and then we'll finish with the AUM. Let's all join together in the heading. Blessed is the mighty Son. Word. Oh.
It is done. Well, that was very nice. Well, thank you all very much. Now we, we can finish off with a, one last question or a few more questions if we want. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a little clarification. Uh, there's a place, I don't know if I didn't uh, hear the master very well. I think he said something about the sun will always be there and uh, you should send your blessing. Whether you see it or you don't see it, it will always be there. And in astronomy, I think I remember there's a place he says that at some point, the sun uh, bursts into a supernova, then dies. Uh, because I mean, this happens to every star, and the sun is supposed to be a star, actually. And they die. So I'm trying to see if there's any way we can, you know, match the two. I think the way he meant it was that, and I think he even said that where it's been for the last 3,000 million years and will be for the next 3,000 million years. Um, in other words, that every day the sun will be there. He means for the foreseeable future, shall we say, for all intents and purposes. Because he does know, and he has said that the sun is halfway through its life, which is about, for this size sun, about eight billion years. And so it's three, three and a half, four billion years into its life cycle. But our sun will not go into a supernova. There's three ways that a sun can finish. And our sun will actually go into a white dwarf. And so what will happen with our sun is that when it finally uses up all the hydrogen and that it's converted, or most all the hydrogen, into helium, then it will shed off a lot of its body, virtually, because it can't hold it. And then it'll compress again, and it'll, it'll start burning the helium into carbon, and then that'll go on for a while, not very long, and then it'll burn up all the helium, and then it'll again shut off some more, then it'll compress down some more, and it'll start burning the carbon into another layer. But at some point, it'll stop because there's not enough mass to keep going up to iron, and iron is the most any star can go up to, um, but our sun won't go up to iron. It's not that large of a sun. So what happens when it finishes all the fuel then it will compress down all of a sudden and it will create this massive explosion which will look like a planetary nebula. And they're the most beautiful things in the sky, these planetary nebulas. And anyone who can look at a planetary nebula and not think that it's a divine thing, a divine being, you know, it has to be. And to go the next step, through this process of creating these larger and larger atoms, then near the end of its life cycle, it majestically throws off its whole body, which is, which is made up of these complex atoms. And then they then go out into the universe, and that's what planets are eventually comprised of, are the end of previous suns in, in the general vicinity. Mm. Then, then there still will be a, a small sun It'll be known as a white dwarf, um, so that the, the sun will still exist even after this takes place. But it'll be uh, it'll end up being a cold sun. There won't be any fusion going on in it. Mm, interesting. Hmm. I suppose you could look at it and say that the sun will finally dissipate 
all its energy out in service. Right. And then would go into essentially meditative state, maybe. State. Yeah. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, the astronomers, they don't know how many of these white dwarfs or, or brown dwarfs is another type of a sun, which is, I mean, they don't know. There might be, there might be zillions of them. They, they don't know. There might be a whole ton of them, or there might not be so many. They, they just don't know. Mm. I mean, it's a fascinating subject. Um, but the most beautiful pictures are those planetary nebulae. Mm. Just gorgeous. You've seen those? Yeah, some of them. Stunningly yeah. beautiful. They're on the internet, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Really, really gorgeous. Well, you can see it right now. Maybe not so easily in Los Angeles, but if you go out and when it's dark, dark skies with a telescope, you could probably see um, at any given night probably, I don't know, 20, 20, 30. Yeah. Of course, it's a lot easier to look on the Internet. You know? But you can, you can actually go and see them yourself with a, with a, a decent-sized telescope uh, with dark skies. Well, that's about it, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating one, subject. One of the isn't it? things I, I was going to mention was that when we think the distance of the sun between us and the sun, which is 93 million odd miles, and yet in the 12 lessings, um, and as you well put it throughout this. It takes eight, see, eight minutes to get here, too. That's eight, had minutes. eight minutes to, for the light to get here. I, for, I forgot the, about that. Oh. The manifestation of the sun's expression is on Earth, a part of it, anyway. And what we experience every minute in the things around us, including our body, our fingernails, is that the distance between us and the sun is now, here. It, it, it's that concept of like it's the embrace of the, um, the uh, presence of the sun's um, presence is right here. Instead mm. of being the distance being something mm. like, so, oh my God, so far, how can my power reach the sun? How can the sun be affected by my prayer. How can I send it power? And you're bringing up how we are positively affected by that expression, that effort, karmically. Mm. But yet the sun itself, in the kingdoms, as for instance, the, ve the vegetable kingdom, and, or plant kingdom, and the animal kingdom, <clears throat> the mineral kingdom, are expressions of the sun's um, life. So sure. the Good distance point. between us and the sun is relatively close. And I said, yeah, it's a good point. And since we are solidified sunlight, then I suppose the best way we can um, give back to the sun is by evolving our own beings, you know. Mm. That's right, because we're, we're part of the sun. We're all part. I was going to say, all this scientific stuff is all good, but I'm really a very simple person, so mm. <laughs> it's not that easy to follow. Um, but uh, I was just going to say, like, for instance, in different religions... There is some significance to the rising sun and to the setting sun. Like, for instance, in, I think, a Jewish religion, they say, God, confess all your sins and don't let the sun go down with you having something in your heart or without you having examined your entire day. And the same way, like um, in the Hindu religion, many of the people that meditate that strictly live by the rays of the sun they get their first nourishment as the sun rises. Uh, they get their first feeding so they don't eat. There's few of them, I think, on this planet. And, uh, and then there is also uh, some significance to the sun being directly above. So it's like this point, that point, and this point. And it just seems um, 
it just seems that, you know, that might be a good time for sending the blessings to the sun, like at those points especially. Well, we're, that's a good point. We, were, we are told in the uh, practice of Aetherius that there, there's four powerful times. There's sunrise, sunset, um, noon, and midnight. And, and these are very important times. And uh, understand, though, this, this is not, not midnight by your clock and not noon by your clock. Noon is, is when and the sun is halfway between sunrise and sunset. It might, it might be 1 o'clock. It might be 12.30. It might be 12.25. Uh, it changes every day. Uh, it changes often. And then, and then midnight is between sunset and sunrise. It's the, it's the mid, mm-hmm. midnight. Um, and yeah, it is. It's a very, very significant time. And um, you know, he he tells you in that practice to to have the the breath going through particular nostrils at uh, those four different times. But you could also um, use those four different times to send a blessing to the the sun. Sure, they are significant times. So we could do it. We got it all. Got it yeah, all. now. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you. And we'll we'll see you next week with uh, Richard and Richard, Richard Squared. Richard Squared. Oh, we'll have to go and ask awkward questions. That's we? right. I think we're going to we be will. there we'll asking all the questions next questions. week. That's right. All the difficult ones. sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast. For further information on these podcasts or the Ethereum Society in general, please visit us on the web at www.ethereus.org.